I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. We're two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. This is the picture of the gospel. Christ arrives in salvation to be not only with his church, but within his church. Christ gives himself to his beloved with extravagant generosity, showering his love upon us and imparting his very presence within us. Christ penetrates his church with the generative seed of his word and the life-giving presence of his spirit, which takes root within her and grows to bring new life into the world. Christ arrives in salvation to be not only with his church, but within his church. Christ gives himself to his beloved with extravagant generosity. Inversely, back in the wedding suite, the bride embraces her most intimate guest on the threshold of her dwelling place and welcomes him into the sanctuary of her very self. She gladly receives the warmth of his presence and accepts the sacrificial offering he bestows upon the altar within her most holy place. Better call my badge the most holy place, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I've been holding my breath because I'm not. I got another two paragraphs. Did they know? No, they don't know. Similarly, the church embraces Christ in salvation, celebrating His arrival with joy and delight some kind of raptures she has prepared and made herself ready anticipating his advent in eager anticipation she welcomes him into the most vulnerable place of her being lavishing herself upon him with extravagant hospitality she receives his generous gift within her the seed of his word and presence of his spirit partnering with him to bring children of god into the world their union brings forth new creation it's hospitality, but we're calling it now. The hospitable <laughs> vagina. <laughs> oh, if you are confused, so are we. You know, I, I saw, I've been watching this this new show on um, Apple TV called Shrinking. It's got Jason What's-His-Face from How I Met Your Mother. Uh-huh. And... Allison Williams is her name. I, I'm really bad with actors' names. Harrison Ford is in it, and like the the plot is that Jason's character is is newly widowed, and his coworker is the best friend of his deceased wife. And and this episode, spoiler alert, they hook up, <laughs> and they're very 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 embarrassed about it the next morning, and they're like, "Oh my god, Tia would kill us. It's the the dead wife." <laughs> and and she was just like, yeah, I just need to make sure my my vagine worked still, because um, she'd been having some problems getting <laughs> end up with men. And he's like, no, your 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 vagine is working. It's 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 warm and humid and comfortable, like Florida. <laughs> like, of all the states, <laughs> you cannot call my vagina Florida. <laughs> That's a little how I feel about this article. Yes. Uh, there is so much about this article. Uh, so what even, why does it, okay, first okay. of all. So this is, this is from the Gospel Coalition. Surprise, surprise. Uh, it's called Sex Won't Save You. It's by 
some guy who looks like he just like bit you and is really excited to bite you again named Josh Butler. And it's a preview from his upcoming book called Beautiful Union, published by, surprise, surprise, Multnomah. My first thought when I saw this going around was, I'm not reading that. I don't need to see that. And then it was taken down before I could read it. So then I obviously had to go find it on the Wayback Machine so I could because read it. Eve, Eve texted Kieran and was like, Shannon Harris parodied this on her Instagram. You have to read it now. Yeah. Which, amazing parody. Just perfection. The hospitable vagina. The hospitable so good. We'll let it put a link to it in the Yeah, you need to see it. That's That will make everything else make sense. The moment uh, where she like chokes on the name Josh just made it for me. It's. I really am excited to have her on the show sometime. I know I've said this happen. before, but like Shannon Harris, like liberated Shannon Harris has liberated Britney Spears energy big yes. time. And this is like a perfect example of it. Yes. But like why can't Josh just go write erotica on AO3 like everyone else? Just because go write erotica like everyone else challenge. He wants everybody to know that the way he thinks about sex is the way they need to think about God, obviously. By the way, the Britney Spears comparison is a compliment. Let me let me just like double down on that and make that very, very explicit. This guy. Okay, so so for those who don't know what we're talking about, the Gospel Coalition is a uh, group, was originally a group of pastors getting together, like cross denominations to be like, here's the fundamentals of things that we agree on. Right. And at the heart of it is the gospel. And a lot of it had to do with like, okay, so we might disagree on like predestination and election <laughs> or like how you should worship in church but like we agree on like these aggressively heterosexual cisgender gender roles yes complementarianism all day every day and it kind of it evolved into like it was a conference for a little bit um they had a magazine portion uh the conference kind of imploded with the cj mahaney you know being CJ Mahaney. Yeah, the implosion of Sovereign Grace Ministries stuff. Um, a lot of people went their various ways. I don't know if they're still doing the conference. I assume they probably are doing some small, you know, off-brand version of it, for, you know, reduced from its former glory. But like um, Tim Keller, who's got a, a church in New York City and is, you know, one of these like fabulous postmodern beer drinking pastors who mm -hmm. hates women that's the uni uniting thing is the gospel <laughs> of misogyny that's the gospel that's of misogyny so this this guy josh butler is like one of his acolytes and has a church in arizona and is you know part of this this universe and they decided they were going to platform this excerpt from his forthcoming book and the internet broke yeah yeah, it got a lot of pushback um, to the point where they removed it from their website and replaced Which it with a note. Which they don't do. <laughs> no, they don't. Which is like, 
and the other thing, like the, there's a couple interesting things about it's getting taken down. The first of which is like, it's in line with literally everything they believe. Like nothing in here is, is really new or surprising. Nothing in here is like any more aggressive than the stuff that CJ Mahaney wrote in his books about marriage or that John Piper has preached about marriage. Like it's fairly tame compared to some of the stuff that you and I grew up reading from, from these thinkers and writers. Right. Yeah. And so it got, it got taken down and they put up a notice saying that it was taken down and they said that it was taken down because it wasn't provided, it wasn't given enough context in the initial article. And so instead of editing the article to add context, they just removed it and instead placed a link to the introduction and first chapter of his book. Which like... Clearly, uh, if you're mad about this, you need to go buy the book so that you can be like more correctly mad about this. Right. So don't don't come for us until you've bought the book, given this guy money, and then you know, and then you can critique him thoroughly in context. Right. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the the issues that people had about the content of this article, which again is very on brand for the Gospel Coalition, um, is not better with more context. No, it does no, not improve. So let's we'll get into the critiques, but like let's break down like what this piece and the selection are 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 really saying. I just <laughs> I love the how hospitable like, vagina. <laughs> that's Shannon's that's Shannon Harris's uh, parody phrase of this. This yeah. is not something he actually says, but but he comes close. I, I love how how his his entire thesis undermines itself. Like the article title is "Sex Won't Save You," and yet he really doesn't want to say that. Yeah, well, it's "Sex Won't Save You," but it points to the one who will because, as become like my but favorite like, favorite thing about this piece is how like the painful excruciating amount of detail and hoops this dude jumps through to make it very clear that jesus is a penis literally and metaphorically jesus is a penis and it is salvation level critical that as we understand sex is god that jesus is the penis doing the sex the <laughs> this has like so many ancient heresies baked into it. It's like oh my god. Research <laughs> fathers would not like this guy. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the like there's know, a little bit of blasphemy. The backbreaking logic that this Josh uses to to make his point is akin to the backbreaking levels of logic that you get in the like the the host is Christ's body but it isn't Christ's body kind of conversation around communion in the different schools of thought around what communion is and what the trinity is and like how this plays into that and how this interacts with that that's like it's up there with this that level of convoluted uh incomprehensibly word salad nonsense of like trying to make this point that, you know, sex itself 
is like fine, but what's really happening is Jesus is giving you a good dicking down, and mm-hmm. that's what makes going to church worth your time. Yeah, but also, also that can only happen between a man and a woman with the approved <laughs> genitals aligned correctly. Uh, Standard issue Costco pack style genitals. Married and monogamous. Because he also well, Jesus Jesus is allowed to be a little slut. He's fucking well, so church. he goes to also great lengths in the excerpt to explain that the church as a metaphor is a woman, even though like no one individual person is the church, but Jesus makes time for everybody. But also Jesus doesn't have billions of wives. It's all one thing. So you see what also I'm saying only one here? person. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the levels of re- like remove that I have from this kind of thinking just make it funnier and funnier and funnier. It's hilarious. Yeah the the further away I get from being a like horny depressed celibate closeted teen reading these books and like just dying for any clarity about you know where sex was supposed to fall in the realm of life experiences and like what it was supposed to mean and how significant it was or was not like I at that point I was you know very just like open to any interpretation just give me any information Mm -hmm. and that you know of course like I'm so far 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 away from that that version of myself now. (laughs) And the more I read these things, the more I'm just like, do you not hear? Do you not hear yourself? Right. Do you not hear like how like porny this stuff is? And also like how like ridiculously transphobic and silly. Like, (laughs) It's it's ridiculous. There it's there's so much to unpack in the thirty six page uh like preview. Also, like, is your sex life that boring that you have to like turn it into a giant metaphor for your faith? Like, just go have fun. Right. Like, I'm I'm sorry, like you're not enjoying yourself and you have to like write Jesus fan fiction to like soothe yourself but like really guys like you can go write jesus fan fiction go put that on tumblr where it belongs like go (laughs) but you don't have to make it uh religion itself (laughs) i feel like (laughs) like just it's you know i I love I love when these kinds of books come out because you know that there are lots of like horny teenager freshman theology students who are staying up until 3 a.m. debating this. And, you know, 90 percent of them are are virgins and some of them have been sexually assaulted and none of them know how to like actually talk about sex in any like happy, healthy way. And so they're just like talking about this ad nauseum because this is the only thing that is like 
okay to talk about that's in that that realm. Yep. Yep. Mm. Yeah, like the while I was reading it, I was just like remembering. Like it brought me reading I I kissed dating goodbye vibes. Like this isn't <laughs> this is way more lewd and horny and sweaty and like honestly reads like erotica. Before, like it's funny because like you'll be reading and at some point you'll be like is this erotica and at that point uh it switches he, back to like he and so here's some theology, theology. Yeah. yeah and then after you get into theology he comes in like 10 seconds later like but by the way we're talking sex. about sex and i'm like she dude i get it penis. like i remember 10 like five paragraphs ago when it was all hot and bothered i Thank you for the reminder that, we're, yes, we are still talking about sex. Good. Good job. Jesus is a penis. Yes. Jesus can only ever be seen as a penis. It's very, <laughs> very important. I cannot emphasize I just, <laughs> enough how important it is. So one of the things that he's doing here is he's like, he, he's he's framing sex is like only existing in the like giving and receiving archetypes um he's doing like bad exegesis with you know very specific hebrew phrases which is like such a thing such a thing where it's like the original text says this one word and like no attempt to like cite anything you know give us context on where he's getting this translation from uh no you know larger context about the rest of the verse just the one word pulled out of context thrown at you without any kind of nuance without any cultural like lens applied where it's Mm -hmm. like you know marriage in this time actually involved like property transfer and was about like stability (laughs) Right. And um, ensuring that your your property went to your children and like none of that. No. no none of that context. No, 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 just no. just like, you know, here's this like one word we popcorn picked out of all of, out of context and like we're handing it to you and and clearly it means this. And let's just like put it into our, you know, yeah, neo-Protestant. you know capitalist american context yep totally there's actually um a a really good example in his excerpt to kind of explain what we're talking about and so sort of in the beginning of his excerpt he, he decides to uh define the phrase in you or, or into uh, rather. And so in the, in the excerpt, in the article, uh, he says, one Sunday I learned how graphic this language can be. My friend Karen was publicly reading scripture for our church service. And we recently switched to a more literal Bible translation. He doesn't say which, which also he owes this woman an apology. Yes. Yes. Like after this past week and how this this selection went by you know, semi viral on the like sub Christian, post Christians internet, like this poor woman. So, yeah. Keep going. Yeah. 
Uh, so they switched to a more literal Bible translation, and they were in Genesis 29, where Jacob marries Leah and Rachel. And the phrase, Wayabo Eleha, I'm butchering that, I'm sorry, uh, shows up a lot. And Karen has, as you might say, a G-rated personality, very prim, proper, and polite. We all saw her cheeks turn bright red with a lot of awkward pauses as she had to continually read the phrase, and Jacob went into her over and over again. After that Sunday, we went back to a less wooden translation and laughed a lot with poor Karen. I love that he doesn't give us any indication about which translations they were so that we can do our own work to, like, check his work here. No, no, no. But, uh, so, hold that thought, because in the uh, first chapter of the book, which has now been provided in lieu of that article excerpty thing, he uses that again to like make his point. And, and let us be very clear. He's saying that the definition of that word was went into her. And that's like implying sex is happening he, literally. It, again, he's doing the thing of like in our current linguistic age, we have a certain connotation with those words in that order. Mm-hmm. But that does not mean that that direct translation would have always meant that. Exactly. It does not mean that that's what that translation actually implies. That doesn't mean that that's what that, the, the original context suggests. Like maybe it was just, they went into her tent or like, mm-hmm. like they went into pri- their private chambers together. Like it, 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 it doesn't have to imply penetration. Yeah, it, and I would go so far as to say it really shouldn't. <laughs> There's, <laughs> in, in the context okay. of his work, it really shouldn't. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, in the book, in the first chapter, there's a subheading, The Heart of Salvation, where he uh, calls back to this. <sighs> okay. You can do it. You can do it. I can do it. Uh, He says, this is the New Testament's dominant language for salvation, union with Christ. The phrase Christ, quote unquote, in you shows up all over in places like these. Do you not realize, dot, 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 that Jesus Christ is in you? Second Corinthians 13.5. What was this New Testament passage written in the same language using the exact same phrases during the exact same time period as that other passage that you were referencing. Oh, wait, no, definitely yeah, not. No. Definitely don't necessarily but, mean the same thing. But that doesn't, that doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. And, but what does matter is that while you are hearing this, you are remembering that Jesus is a penis. Don't forget. Don't forget. Because if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Romans 8.10. And Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27. So I don't know, like, if you're not horny. If you're not horny, how would you read that? I just... <laughs> There's clearly no other way to read that. Yeah, no. Uh, but it gets better because the part where I talk about him grow- going at great 
lengths for us to remember that Jesus in every and all circumstances is the penis and in no way could possibly be someone who receives a penis um, comes up right now. So similarly, our being in Christ shows up 242 times. At first glance, that may sound a bit like it contradicts the one flesh image. Isn't the picture of Christ in us, not the other way around? But the phrase speaks to our corporate identification with Jesus. Think of it like marriage, where a wife traditionally took on the last name of her husband and entered into his family. If the uniting of bodies in conjugal union speaks to Christ in us, then the broader uniting of lives together in marriage speaks to us in Christ. Did he really say corporate? He really said corporate multiple times, in fact, in, 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 in the book excerpt, when he talks about <laughs> Christ being in multiple people, but only really one person because all of Christians make up one church. And so therefore it's fine. And it's not polygamy or polyamory yeah jesus jesus what the penis is not polyamorous he's a corporate manager mm -hmm. we are his business that he fucks <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't just, work it just, doesn't work just write fucking erotica already challenge thank you I say i used to say that like every pastor should take a poetry class back back when I was still funny and and I stand by it because this is the kind of thing that happens when these guys don't know how to do close reading <laughs> it, it, it just stops working and he, he goes he he tries so hard there's so much straw grasping and he's trying to account for every single like thing that people could say to tear apart his analogy that all like but it it does that all by but itself. But when you don't understand how like parts of language work and that metaphors ultimately always break down. Right. You really, you strong arm yourself into a corner here and then the entire internet laughs at you because you didn't leave yourself a way out. Yep. Which is exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Again, you know, this poem is not up to code, but this metaphor is not up to code. <laughs> no, it's really... Oh, it's trying so hard. So, so, so hard. But also, like, traditionally, women took the last name. Like, that's a recent thing. Like, this isn't, we're not, we're not getting any historical context to back up. Tradition. Right. Like, when, it, when, what time, what is the authority setting here? Because I'm just seeing stuff coming straight out of his ass. <laughs> I, yeah, like, is that how how marriage worked in the, the you know, second century? <laughs> like, I... When I, thing, these things were written, like, I... I doubt it. I have questions, my friend. And I have a lot of, like, there's, like, there is, like, some appendix in, like, the back, but, like, there is no, like, leading up to the citation in the text itself. It's like, oh, yeah, here, you can go see this footnote 17 that leads to who knows what, because there's no context about the thing that is footnoted. This this is this is takes me back to my perennial soapbox of like, once you start reading the Bible on literal 
interpretive vibes as a literalist using English translations without any linguistic or cultural context in order to justify your bullshit creationism and other nonsense, you get yourself into corners like this because you are not a good reader. Yeah. You become so limited and then you assume that your audience is also similarly just reading what you're saying on vibes and you're not looking at what you're actually saying. Mm -hmm. And then when people who do actually read critically engage with your work, it just, it's a house of cards. It's, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised, but also like my friend, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry your editor didn't take better care of you, or maybe you didn't let them. Right. But what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it just all and and the whole excerpt does a lot of this. It has it has a special carve out for single people. Just so they know that they are they they matter equally as much as married people because Jesus was single and I love this claim. We know for a fact that Jesus never had sex. Despite the fact that that he hung out with, you know, 12 dudes and sex workers and queer people and like... And a sex worker bankrolled his entire lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. We know Uh for a fact he never fucked. Not one single time. Mm Mm-hmm. So therefore, he's making it for the last time. Yeah. (laughs) So if if you're a celibate then you're like Jesus and that makes you just as good as a married person. So, yeah. I also really enjoy the fact that like this is laying the groundwork for, you know, a lot of men to feel very confused about getting aroused by this passage. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Like this whole time I'm just like, dude, just read some David and Jonathan porn. And like, it's fine. Like go do that. And, and also, like, once you lock yourself into this metaphor even further, like, it is functionally, this may be the only smart thing that this, this metaphor and this, this, like, egregious literalism is, is doing for him. Um, it's locking in salvation as fundamentally homophobic. Like, yeah. you cannot... Like, sex must be heterosexual, penetrative, penetrative, and procreative. Therefore, any quote-unquote deviance from that becomes, <laughs> like, a way of casting you out of the faith and questioning your salvation. And it really, it really is, like, laying the groundwork for another wave of of fresh homophobia so right before he defiles the good name of the postal service he actually does that wait he defiles the good name of the postal service yeah he he i'll i'll, I'll read that part second um, like the band not usps yeah i, I figured yeah <laughs> <laughs> although i was gonna leave that one open to interpretation a little bit for <laughs> Okay, um, yeah, so he talks about how important it is for 
two people to become one flesh. And the only way that is done is through a penis being inserted into a vagina. And he says this, he says, the body image is a sign of salvation. God has invested it with sacred meaning. This country, this country, I can read words. This contravenes the chorus of a recent pop song, which describes sex as forming, quote, a monster with two heads, end quote. That depicts sex as a monstrosity where conjugal union forms an forms a strange aberration of a creature with parts not meant to fit together, but somehow making it work. Has he not had sex? Does he right. not know that sex is awkward and funny and like you look really weird when you're doing it? <laughs> See, this is also my question. Like, is he just also never fucked? Because I feel like it's never happened. I mean, he's got several children, so that's his, well, that's his uh his his uh card carrying proof there. Yeah. I mean, I guess if he can call what he does sex, then I suppose. Yeah. It's, it sounds more like some weird I don't know what when I fucked like that I didn't I don't count it as sex anymore. Yeah. Uh so so the next part where he talks about how sex is not a monster. God's vision however, is much more like that classic song by the Postal Service, Such Great Heights, where Ben Gibbard croons that God made us into corresponding shapes like puzzle pieces from the clay. Our creator has designed us majestically and intentionally with the ability to come together as one. When we do it, it points to something greater. The union of Christ and the church loads sexual union with meaning and power as something beautiful and holy. Do we treat it with that reverence and awe or cavalierly as a personal plaything? You know, that description reminds me of, you know, grasshoppers fucking and devour, you know, the female grasshopper devouring her partner's head afterward. And just like, you know, you, you eat them up and then you're all alone and you're totally, you'll, you're totally made one with each other. Yeah. And that's, that's what sex should be like. Yes. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Like, should be you like. can't be more one with each other than being digested. No, that's that's what that's what real biblical sex is. Mm-hmm. That's I. That checks out. You have just as many sources as he does. So <laughs> let me fight him. <laughs> oh my goodness! But it's so straight. It's so straight, which brings me to a sort of sidebar next thing, um, because this dude, uh, he is a fellow with the Keller Cellar, the Keller Cellar, the Keller Center. <laughs> you said that last time too. <laughs> this is where Tim Keller locks you in a cellar and brainwashes you <laughs> and then lets you out loose upon the world like a I mean, for- it, version of your former self. I feel like it's not that far off. But the Keller Center for Cultural Apologetics is where this dude is a fellow with. And I don't, I was like, what the fuck is this? And it's, you know, this dude who is part of the Gospel Coalition made a center and named it after himself. Um, and their mission, their, their mission uh, is, and I quote, This is a new challenge, a big challenge, and church leaders don't yet know what to do. That's where the Keller Center. <laughs> That's where the Keller Center. Just, just give into it. It's the Keller Cellar now. 
That's where the Keller Cellar comes in. We want to help church leaders around the world, one, close the back door, two, open the front door, and three, send out the equipped. Are the straights okay? No. They can't hear themselves. They really can't. They know what words. Like this dude's they whole don't know book. What these, like, do they know what right. words mean? This dude's whole book, his whole religious premise that having sex is being one with Jesus is based on the understanding that went into her means someone's penis went into someone's vagina in a marital context only. And yet this close the back back door, door. open the front door, send out the equipped. Also, also in addition to all of that, every one of these guys acts like they are inventing the wheel and addressing totally novel problems mm-hmm. for the first time in a u- totally unique and genius way. Yes. Which is never the case. And I, again, if, if they would just read some history. Literally anything. They would learn that they're all inventing heresies that were condemned like, you know, 1500 years ago. <laughs> For real, for real. I'm just like, there's so, so many things just in reading the excerpt that I'm like, this is like, that's legit heresy, actually. Like, what, what's going on here, dude? Like, really just. Just so much. Just so much. Just, you can just write erotica. It's fine. Write it. Just write erotica. You will be okay. I'm going to have to just make a t-shirt with grasshopper sex on it. Yes. But we also okay, need, oh, we also need to do a t-shirt that's an eggplant emoji that says Jesus is a penis. <laughs> okay. You, you make that one. On I'll do that one. one yeah. <laughs> <sighs> it doesn't, it may, or maybe it doesn't even need to like have is a penis. You can just say Jesus under it. Yes. Yes, that's better. <laughs> we don't get banned. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Jesus eggplant. In the, you know, extended VeggieTales universe. Right. Jesus is an eggplant emoji. Yeah. Yeah. And also in the extremely literal sense, if you are Joshua Ryan Butler. <sighs> this guy. I just... <laughs> For those who aren't familiar with the Gospel Coalition, I want to just add a coda here and say we could do this with pretty much any article that they publish at any given time. This one was just extremely low-hanging fruit, and we wanted to have a little fun today. So I'm sorry to this guy for singling him out. He is not more bad than any of the other bloggers there. That's but very. We true. had the time. We had the time today. <laughs> we had the time, and people were talking about it, and it was it was just so. Sometimes episodes write themselves, sometimes and this the was material it. just hands itself it to was you. It's beautiful. Anyway, go yeah. watch Shannon Harris's parody. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that I also kind of want to add is like, 
none of this is new. Like, this is what happens when you grow up reading I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Like, this is what that gets you. You get dudes who write this shit. And that may be part of why Shannon's parody is is so brilliant. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> she yeah. knows she knows what she's seeing. Mm-hmm. She knows what she's looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's so familiar. And I'm glad that there was a lot of pushback and that it got taken down. A lot of people were pointing out how, like, you know, just so extremely sexist it is and misogynistic because it's like well you know the 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 man's gift of his seed is received like yeah okay dude we get like get over your jizz it's fine also also like the like turfy subtext to all this just it never ceases to entertain me because in in the definition of like the the gender essentialist stuff here, you end up excluding people who are men and people who are women who do not fit the like biological norm by no fault of their own. <laughs> like <laughs> non-trans people who were just born with various parts in various combinations. Right. Uh, you know, the intersex community does in fact exist. And uh, pretending otherwise, like, it's just, it's so funny to me. It's so, it's so overly simplistic and, yeah. and re- painfully silly. This is something that always, like, never set with me, even when I was growing up, is how, like, just the definition of men and women coming down to, like, which organs they have. When I, after I learned that intersex conditions exist, I'm like, but that's not like, but people with different parts exist. That's a thing. That's a whole. There's always a we third have option. So many syndromes for this. Like, you can't just say someone who has a period because lots of people don't. Like, there's just, it's so, there's so much, so many people that you exclude by trying to limit people to like their junk. And it's a really, it's, it's truly a self own. It's like, that's, you know, <laughs> you're eating your own people here. Supreme silliness. Just supreme silliness. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for uh, coming along this ride with us. And we <laughs> will be back next week with more fun stuff. More fun stuff. <laughs> more fun stuff. <laughs> in, a different, in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Cult Podcast. Our music is from the track Janet by the Bend the Heavens on their album Stenazzo. Our producer is Dave the Great. Our podcast is made possible by Patreon donations from listeners like you. To support us and join our community on Slack, check out patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod. Thanks for listening.